Energy Thinks, a podcast about how the oil and gas industry can future-proof against rising social risk and lead the world into the energy future. I'm Tisha Schuler, your host and the CEO of Adamantine Energy. I'm working on my next book, so in this season, I'm talking to game-changing leaders in and around the oil and gas industry to explore in particular how companies can translate decarbonization aspiration into action. So today's conversation was really interesting because Brian Shetler is partner at AE Industrial. He's head of AEI Horizon X, which is the venture capital arm of Boeing. And you'll get to hear all about how the things he's doing and learning translate into the work we are all pursuing in the oil and gas industry. So Brian has an MBA from the University of Maryland. He has a BS in electrical and electronics engineering from Northwestern University. He served as vice president of corporate strategy at Cobnum and as manager of strategy and program operations in the space and ISR division at Northrop Grunman. He has years of experience in aerospace, technology, in defense. In April of 2017, he became the senior managing director of Boeing's Horizon X Ventures, which you'll hear about rolled out into the firm that he's running today. You can learn more about uh, Brian's biography in our show notes. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Brian Shetler. Well, Brian Shetler, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me on the Energy Thinks podcast. It's great being here, Tisha. Thanks so much for having me. So I've been really looking forward to talking to you because you've worked at Boeing and now you're focused on venture capital investment into sustainable aviation. So sustainable aviation is this arena where people are putting a lot of hopes. Um, There's also, I think, some reasonable skepticism. Can you just give us that high level overview? None of our listeners are in the aviation business. We're all in the oil and gas business. Can you talk about what sustainable aviation means Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, in most basic premise, sustainable aviation is about creating a cleaner, quieter, and smarter future for aviation. And so when you package all of that together, you know, really it's about addressing the current state of aviation and being a large global emitter of emissions. In fact, you know, under kind of current scenarios and projections, if nothing changed, you know, aviation could you consume maybe one quarter of the remaining carbon budget outside of to 2050. So what are we going to do about it? How, how are we going to fix our industry and start embracing more sustainable practices in, in what we do? So, you know, it's, it's easy on the surface to sort of just think about aviation as the planes flying overhead. In fact, you know, there's, there's probably 115,000 flights that happen every day around the world. So that's a lot of emissions and, and a lot of activity and a lot of aircraft. There's 26,000 or so commercial aircraft in work today or, or in operations today. And so, you know, there's a lot of contributing factors that we can address in sustainable aviation to make things better. There's sustainable aviation fuels. There's operational improvements to just optimize how we fly, where we fly, what altitudes we fly, and everything can have an impact there. There's an underlying infrastructure efficiency that can come to bear, right, beyond just sort of the airplanes. This whole network that comes together to make aviation work is incredibly inefficient and has so much opportunity to uh, be more sustainable. But where we fit in is we believe there's this underlying trend of technology innovation that can address all those areas. And so we at Horizon X are just all about you know, how we can bring a technology-driven solution to address 
all those areas. And where we get most excited uh, really is three main areas. One is sort of solutions that directly reduce emissions that you put into the atmosphere. And there's there's a lot of ways to address it. You know, there's a more sustainable version of, of fuel today. Sustainable aviation fuels that aren't aren't fossil fuels are a great start. But then there's the whole transition to new forms of fuels, new forms of propulsion, everything from electrified propulsion to hydrogen powered propulsion that that can have massive impacts on emissions. Then there's a, a sort of more behind-the-scenes version of sustainability that's around data-driven decision-making to create, you know, kind of more efficient operations. And you wouldn't believe the impacts that can be made just in, you know, a small sort of day-in-the-life change of how, it, how an aircraft is flown, how it's used on the tarmac waiting for takeoff, how pilots fly their planes in unique ways that reduce the amount of fuel they actually consume. And so we're trying to bring a data-centric model forward that, that just helps better decisions be made and better outcomes. And then, then lastly, where we spend a lot of time focusing is that uh, the, all that other infrastructure. It's very emission-intensive when you produce an airplane, the entire supply chain of aerospace. You know, there can be a million-plus parts that goes into a 747. Each one of those parts gets created in a factory. Each one of those has its own supply chain footprint. It gets shipped somewhere. And so when you start thinking about all that traceability and day in the life of a part that comes together on an airplane, we want to make that more efficient too. So tons of opportunity, a lot of low-hanging fruit, but also a lot of work to be done. I think it's so cool because I had thought as I really started focusing on um, the oil and gas industry and the way we could address climate, I really thought aviation was, especially commercial aviation, was going to be one of those hard to decarbonize sectors that we just couldn't address. It was just going to be one of the sinks for um, oil and gas uh, resources. But as I have continued to learn, I'm so excited, especially in meeting you, it's so actually exciting and empowering to think about taking all these inefficiencies out of the system. Because, you know, one of the climate rubrics is that, that each of us as individuals is just going to have to give up stuff, you know, whether it's give up meat or give up international travel. And I can just tell you, giving up international travel is not something I want to do. So this um, having a vision and um, seeing, as you said, the low hanging fruit um, around sustainable aviation is so it's empowering and it's and it's cool as well. Yeah. So one of the things I've been really excited to ask you about is just like the oil and gas industry, I imagine I can only imagine that working in aviation, working for Boeing, that this is an engineering centric risk averse culture. And then you, Brian, have to go do this like VC startup mindset. And we're doing the same thing in the oil and gas industry. We have very traditional companies, some which have been around over a hundred years, and they're trying to figure out how to balance that really important focus on safety, on risk, on engineering, but also with this just totally radically different uh, venture mindset. How do those play? How do you deal with them? And what advice do you have for others working through this, I guess, merger of sorts of cultures? It's a unique time for sure, and it isn't easy. You know, we had this saying in, inside of Boeing, you know, that it's a not invented here, dominated culture, and that's that's typical with many large organizations with large, proud engineering teams. And and you know, it's it's not that there's anything wrong with that. You want your engineers to have you know confidence. You want your engineers to be proud of the work that they're doing. But it's getting the balance just right to your point of how you bridge new forms of innovation 
with uh, kind of the inside expertise. And so the key for me was when we were deploying this inside of Boeing starting in 2017, this, this Horizon X sort of concept was had to be very intentional and clear in the communication that was happening of why you were doing and what you were doing. This wasn't about replacing or supplementing your inter- internal engineering talent. In fact, quite the opposite. You were looking for ways to complement, right, this entrepreneurial you know, unconstrained entrepreneur and innovator on the outside with the experience, 105 years of passed down knowledge inside a large aerospace company, you know, kind of thinking that comes with the internal team. And where can you find the right debate? Where can you bring some fresh thinking, but also rooted in safety certification and, you know, what, uh, you know, the, the internal experience would tell you to just try to push the status quo forward. And the idea is getting beyond the natural rhythm of incremental innovation, which internal teams are very good at, and instead progressing to different forms of disruptive innovation, but doing it in a sort of safe and and, you know, non, not overly risk focused sort of way, right? The, the last thing people in aviation want to hear is like, oh, you took a really risky approach to, to doing something, right. right? People, you know, pride themselves in their safety. And so you just, you need to just harmonize those two worlds together. And, you know, when we first started, the in, internal engineers were very fearful that we were just finding way, trying to find ways to eliminate their R&D, eliminate their existence, and we were going to solve everything from the outside world. And when we started putting things in practice with these outside innovators, we found that we were partnering them up. We were bringing the technical teams together. We're bringing business ideas together. And that turned them into like, you know, just giddy sort of enthusiasts again, because now they were tackling tough problems. And it was almost like, how do you bring the expertise and layer it on top of each other to really create something better than sort of the sum of the parts? So it was, uh, that's what we've learned. Because if you do things in isolation, the, the, the worst thing that happens is and we call them the antibodies and would just sort of come out and try to attack you because it looks too different. And so communication and transparency was key for us to resolve that. Oh, that's so interesting. One of the themes that have been coming out of my interviews for this upcoming book is that in addition to having to find a way to inspire and engage the traditional players within the companies, this idea that the outside players could never navigate the bureaucracy, like the bureaucracy within the company. So they also could not be successful like on their own, trying to get through this massive historic machine. So I love that idea of bridging. I also find very intriguing this idea of being mindful about where incremental progress is appropriate and where disruptive progress is appropriate. And then like, what are the risk guardrails? Really, really interesting, Brian. So just to to take this one step further, when you're thinking about executives or you're talking to executives who are saying, what qualities do I need to be cultivating? for my for the future to be successful to be a part of this transition what do you think the qualities of those leaders are yeah there's quite a few attributes that that i've seen that really rise to the top of of the ones that do this sort of best you know it starts with an open mind right and an acknowledgement that the status quo isn't where we want to be and that sounds you know a little simplistic but you wouldn't believe uh you know the number of folks when you kind of get stuck in the same role maybe for decades that you sort of just think the same way and you're, you discount the world around you, the problems around you and the like. So you really want to just start with, you know, an executive that has an open mind that is, you know, embracing of change, isn't fearful of change and isn't so 
hardwired to be risk averse to all degrees that you know, you, you'll never get any kind of progress. And so when you put all that together, you know, it's definitely you get the right executive if they're open minded, you know, they're risk tolerant, but not, you know, excessively risk taking that you become reckless and that you can be inspiring, right? That you can pull on these opportunities from the outside, even pull on the opportunities from your own engineers. The other thing I failed to mention, you know, in my last, uh, the last sort of question was, a lot of times the own engineers have brilliant ideas too. And it's just the internal culture has always sort of shot that down because it's been too entrepreneurial, too different from that incremental innovation approach. So, you know, bringing in the right leader that actually fosters and embraces your own teams to come up with those ideas too. Not every idea has to be solved from the outside, but, you know, again, it's, it's enabling that thinking and enabling and rewarding engineers to kind of think different is is a key with with how leadership has to work in these areas. That is also that's interesting. It's also a resonant theme within oil and gas companies is making space for the ideas that the existing and even very, very experienced employees have because they've been around. They know the we know the things we could do, especially about around addressing efficiencies or where there's opportunities for dramatic improvement. But we've always done it this other way. So that, that's really the parallels are interesting. So. Definitely. Yeah. So let me ask you, I want to keep building on this theme around innovation. Can you tell us about um, Boeing's Eco Demonstrator Program? What is it? How do you engage with it? What's happening there? Yeah. The Eco Demonstrator is one of my favorite things that Boeing does. And in the most basic sense, what it's about is creating a flying test bed for new innovation, right? You can't wait the 10 years, 20 years, 30 years that it might take for a new aircraft to be designed, certified, and released to introduce new technologies. We'd be still living in the stone ages of, right. of aviation and innovation if that was the case. And so what the Exit Demonstrator does is you take in a genuine commercial aircraft that's been built for a customer. This year, Boeing partnered with Alaska Airlines and they're doing it on the 737. In past years, they've done it with Etihad and other airlines on 787s and, and others. But you basically take that aircraft sort of out of service for a year. So it's not flying commercial routes for Alaska or wherever they are. And instead, you just stuff it with new, exciting technologies and uh, sort of proof of concepts that you want to test out in kind of a real aviation sense. And you can get a special kind of experimental certification on the aircraft to fly these things. And it allows you to kind of accelerate the real world use case, the real world impact of a variety of new technologies and, and a big draw. I think 80% or so of the technologies that are on the aircraft this year are kind of sustainability focused. How can you try out new materials that are lighter and therefore more efficient for the plane? How can you try out your different um, propulsion technologies with the engines to burn less fuel or try new fuels, right? The, we, we talk about sustainable aviation fuels, or, you know, that are basically biofuels that uh, can now go into turbine engines on aircraft. And, and so you can start getting away from a fossil-based uh, fuel and, and actually test this out in the real world. So then the idea being that you can introduce these technologies sooner on future new aircraft that are sent to airlines if they want to you know, incorporate that. And it can serve as sort of the R&D testbed for, okay, what are new things that are going to come standard on every new airplane that Boeing produces uh, kind of in the future? And so 
it's it's a real great way to get real time feedback to try something out. And but you know, in that kind of risk mitigated way, you're not just throwing it on you know a new mass produced platform without having done the appropriate testing first. Oh, that is exciting. And it's interesting, the focus on sustainability, just because we seem to be living in this in this world right now where that is definitely being prioritized. So that's interesting and not surprising that Boeing is feeling the same pressures. So you've mentioned a lot of innovations, um, everything from hydrogen to electric to um, different um, materials, digital solutions. What are the, the couple that you find the most exciting and promising that could really be disruptive that we should keep our eye out on? Well, I think everything that sort of takes, you know, Jet A fossil fuel out of the picture and transitions to something else, I think is really exciting. And and I think what uh, comes first is electrified flight and sort of battery technology with the associated propulsion. I think there's a lot of exciting technology that's available today uh, that can start making an impact on certain classes of aviation. To your earlier point, batteries aren't going to replace wide-body aircraft kind of propulsion systems that are going to handle our international flights. The technology just isn't there yet to give you that kind of range and capacity. But where it is definitely available today, here and now, is how you do things in sort of the hundreds of miles of flight, which is actually the the highest proportion of flights, you know, on a daily basis are things that are going kind of 500 miles or less. And so if we can start hacking away at the fuel and emission impacts in those sort of routes and networks, we have an incredible opportunity. We've invested in a company out of Logan, Utah called EP Systems, which is basically becoming the de facto standard for battery packs, battery technology that are going to go on these new classes of aircraft and eVTOL, think of those as like the flying taxis of, of the world to handle this short to mid-range flight. And what they've been able to do is create a economical battery modular system that allows you to sort of scale the energy needs uh, you know, of your aircraft with these battery packs so that you can um, have a you know, 100% you know, electrically powered propulsion system. And you know, when, you, when you think about the Tesla of the skies and you know, what, what's happening in the automotive world, if you start you know, taking out you know, meaningful amounts of emissions and jet fuel consumption, with a, with a battery system, I think that that's really going to have a big, big impact. So that's where I'm most excited, Tisha, and where I think we're actually going to see something a lot sooner than anyone um, expects. Like in the next you know few years, you're going to see battery-powered aircraft flying in the sky. I think that's awesome. We will be right back to the Energy Thinks podcast, but are your company's ESG efforts falling behind the sector? Find out by downloading ESG in 2022, Adam Mateen's latest white paper, to find out which moves ESG leaders in oil and gas are making and what's now standard across the industry. Download ESG in 2022 today at energythinks.com. And now back to the show. That's really interesting because that, that breaks uh, air transport down kind of like I think we think about electric short range fleets. And then you need some kind of compressed natural gas if you want to lower emissions, longer range fleet. So that, that is really interesting. Let me keep building on this idea of innovation because um, Boeing was awarded the um, Open Innovation uh, Challengers Corporate Startup Stars in 2021. And then your company, AEI Horizon X, was awarded an, a startup 
Investment Award. Can you talk to us about what that means out in the world and, and how you see it as a validation or encouragement for, for the effort to, you're undertaking? Sure. And, and, and I sort of think about this as this was a package deal, right? You can't have one work so well without the other. And so the fact that we got these two awards, it was really how we've set up this innovation program with Boeing and the venture um, efforts we're doing with Horizon X. So you'll recall, we actually started inside of Boeing where we were just one, a 100% Boeing entity doing it all ourselves. We spun the Horizon X Venture Capital Unit out of Boeing so we could continue to raise new capital to, to accelerate and grow the amount of impact we were actually doing by investing in more and more and more startups than what we could do via Boeing dollars alone. And so now what we have is this best of both worlds where Boeing, you know, acting as the world's largest aerospace company and an innovator that wants to embrace new thinking and new technology, they have this concrete program inside the company that's all about this bridging function, that's all about transitioning new technology into the company, getting exposed to business units, getting it exposed to technology leaders, getting new technology embedded in the roadmaps of product develop, new products being developed for the future. And so having that sort of focus that we started building in 2017 inside of Boeing, that, that is key, right, to kind of embrace that outside world to our kind of opening, opening discussion point. And then for us, we have to be those hunters out there looking and identifying new innovation that we think can really make that impact on aerospace. And so we, as the venture capital side, are, you know, just digesting thousands and thousands of startups a year, evaluating them, you know, kind of assessing what their impact can potentially be, and then prioritizing and then ultimately investing in what we think the winners are and the ones that will make the biggest impact. By us bringing capital to the table, promoting investing and mentoring these startups so that they can be successful in the long run, that's our side of the equation. So you bring those two together, a well-funded and mentored and supported independent startup, and then the Boeing sort of bridging transition and innovation machine, that all coming together, that's how we accelerate aerospace's sort of adoption of these new technologies and, and make a big impact on these emission initiatives we're trying to achieve. That's so interesting. And it's easy to visualize the way you described it. And so I want to ask a follow-up question about the Boeing side culture, recognizing that you're not working inside Boeing. But um, has Boeing had to, over the, this last decade, meaningfully change its workplace culture so that the employees are uh, feeling empowered to participate and foster this innovation? And you've answered this here and there, but was there actually like a, a culture change effort that, that underwent? Or do you have some lessons learned that oil and gas companies who are really in the middle of this transition might might take away? Yeah, it was intentional in 2017. So April of 2017, the, the then CEO, Dennis Mullenberg, you know, pushed an initiative to create this innovation cell called Horizon X, which which we created from scratch back then. And, and the idea being, it was just as much a, of a team to kind of execute on some of these priorities we talked about to bridge and transition new technology, invest in startups, but it was also to start promoting and seeding a new culture throughout the organization mm -hmm. of how you bridge the outside world with the inside world. And that took all of those 
you know, lessons that we talked about earlier of trying to educate and communicate with the existing engineering teams on how we could get better results, how we could do better for the Boeing company, how we could do better for our airline customers, and then ultimately our passengers by embracing these new technologies and starting to think a little differently on what innovation in aerospace looks like. So it was a very, very intentional uh, drive from the top. And I, I think that's a key lesson learned for other corporates that are out there. This is a very, very hard culture to bubble up organically from the bottom, right? You need the combination of top-down champions that enable the culture shift, that promote it with their management and executive teams, reward it in terms of metrics, bonuses, you know, kind of incentives to, to actually make it successful. You know, it, it's one thing to say to do something. It's another thing to actually make it part of somebody's performance review and, and their performance management. So we tried to kind of embrace it holistically that way. And then, of course, you know, you do have the the natural risings from, from the bottom, the, you know, a new generation wanting to see this industry change a lot of, you know, organic drive to try to make it happen. And so when that bottoms up, top down comes together, you know, that's when the culture really starts to make meaningful changes. And it's hard to do in a 105-year-old culture. That is a that is an intense culture to try to move. It's like steering the Titanic. But, you know, with patience and time and determination, you, you do start making meaningful impacts to it. Well, and you, you raise something that's very consistent across our listeners' companies, which is that we have this um, millennial generation that really is dominating our workforce. They're impatient and at this point, understandably impatient and want to engage. So what I'm seeing is that this energy transition work, this innovation work goes hand in hand with this idea of creating a diverse workplace, an inclusive workplace, finding ways to make talent. Uh, have a seat at the table, feel engaged, feel a part of transition. Has addressing the millennial generation, diversity, equity, inclusion, have you found that these um, efforts go hand in hand to really bring out the best in Boeing's workforce and Horizon X's workforce? Oh, 100%. I mean, there's there's no doubt. I think it's, there's no debate from what I've seen at all that, that those initiatives are creating better outcomes, right? When you start augmenting, again, this 105-year path down traditionally, you would call them the gray beards inside of Boeing, right? The, you know, these are folks that have been in companies 50 years since the dawn of modern day, you know, aviation. All right. Very, very smart, very, very successful in kind of creating the modern airline era, but, you know, will be stubborn and set on their ways of how they've always done things or, or how you really define, you know, aviation and, and innovation. And so as you start blending these teams, as you bring a more DI focus to you know, these, these technology and innovation units when you, you know, and it's not just internally, you're bringing it from the outside world as well with, you know, fresh thinking, fresh founders, founders, not from the U.S., you know, maybe they grew up in India or maybe they grew up, you know, you name it. And like, they're approaching the problem with a completely different mindset than, you know, the more homogenous sort of thinking that might exist in a big internal engineering culture. And that sort of balance is and widening of the thinking is where all the awesome outcomes are happening. Oh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago I found really intriguing, which is you're digesting information about thousands of startups. So just tell us a little bit about how you prioritize what you actually invest in, um, what what that either the processes or even the thinking behind it, because companies are really challenged to come up with their way, their way of thinking about how to create the funnel that ultimately results in those actual investments. 
Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, we're investing in people, no doubt about it, right? You know, we have we have a view that, you know, an awesome team can make a mediocre technology crazy successful, but a mediocre team can make the best technology, you know, sort of moderately successful, right? So if we want to first focus on a team that we believe in, has the passion and motivation and creativity for um, their business, like that gets us excited first and foremost. Then we really start, you know, thinking through the technology applications, the opportunity to make an impact in our industry and, and like the defensibility of the technology too. It's so exciting when those dimensions all come together. You have a great team with a great technology that's very unique and defendable and, you know, either has certain IP protections, has a moat around it, some trade secrets, like that's the trifecta that we're sort of looking for. And so, once we get through that gate, you know, and we might have now neck down, you know, to just like two or three percent of the, all the companies that we've looked at sort of meet all those criteria. Um, that's still too many. We still got to prioritize in that. And that's where we really then bring the Boeing thinking to mm. the table of like, how can we actually operationalize an engagement between Boeing and this company? Is there something there that's a differentiator by Boeing being involved that helps us accelerate? kind of the development and or adoption of this. And, and if it's sort of like this is a really cool technology, but there's nothing really differentiated Boeing's going to bring there. Still might be a great company and it could be a great investment opportunity. But, you know, we still think there's something really unique that Boeing can drive some upside in, in the picture too. That's so really interesting way to think about it and where you bring in that traditional expertise and, and then the, the emphasis on operationalizing, very applicable to oil and gas companies. You and I were introduced um, by our friends, uh, Kevin and Brian over at Avatar, and you were a very early, um, as was I, supporter of, of Avatar and what they're doing um, there in Canada. And I think we both would hope that they, they make their way to the U.S. But can you tell us about Horizon X's um, engagement with Avatar and what you've gotten out of that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, what we recognize at having lived inside of a big company like Boeing as, is it's really, really hard for these super early stage companies like the one Avatar is supporting in their accelerator programs to even get the, you know, the time of day with a big company, right? You know, it, you knock on the door, you make a phone call, you're not going to get a response. And so what we try to do in our position is engage with these early stage companies, help mentor, you know, review and assess uh, the kind of quality and potential from an aerospace angle. And you know, identify the ones where we want to kind of bridge a connection. How can we use some of our capital, political capital or real capital from, from Boeing to, to try to bring some of that aerospace expertise to bear or from the Horizon X side too, not just Boeing. And so that's really what it's all about. You know, these, these accelerator programs can often be a needle in a haystack, right? You look at a lot of companies, there's different levels of maturity, different levels of applicability, but you generally, you know, find some exciting ones. We had run, before partnering with Avatar, we had run three different accelerator programs in the UK with a bunch of different focuses from sustainability, industrial technology, digital technology, etc. And, you know, you, you find you know, one in 10 or something are, are really impressive beyond your initial beliefs and being able to replicate that. So in this case, getting outside of the UK, now we're, you know, looking at Canada. Now we're looking at a new class of, uh, of companies that Kevin and his team are helping to identify, mentor, and, and 
uh, develop through this program. And we can be there along the way to help them with the aerospace perspective and or use cases, and then ultimately open some doors to Boeing. That's the ultimate goal at the end of the day is keeping a great, is preventing a great idea from dying or not making the impact in aerospace it could simply because they couldn't get the time of day or that initial kind of inroad to a company like Boeing or an investor like us. Well, Brian, I I love that Avatar is providing just such an interesting bridge, not just across the oil and gas industry, but into aviation and into your work as well. I want to turn for our last couple of questions to you as a leader. Um, This podcast is for industry leaders, and I try to tie it to the things that actually help us keep going in the work that we do. I imagine your work is extraordinarily challenging, even though you relay it with so much uh, enthusiasm that I actually want your job, but I'm Imagine it's harder than you make it look. (laughs) Can you tell our audience a little bit about what drives and motivates you to keep going and and keep pursuing um, this this really interesting, but also challenging work that you do? It is an awesome job to have. It's simply because the people and ideas you get to see every day. I think that is like the ultimate fuel of of energy and motivation Seeing these entrepreneurs on a daily basis, the enthusiasm they have for their ideas and their genuine kind of interest in changing the world, like that's inspiring. And for us to have the opportunity to even make a small impact and be a small part of their success or help accelerate their success or open doors for them to ensure that the good ones don't fail. Uh, it's incredibly rewarding. You know, my, the majority of my day is spent dealing with people and, you know, everyone from other investors, customers of portfolio companies and or, you know, identifying new companies. And that's just really rewarding to get to see and work with on a daily basis. It's also very, you know, problem solving oriented, right? And I was a former engineer, right? So I love critical thinking. I love to problem solve. And by getting to work with these startups to help them fix their problems, you know, help them tinker to, you know, find the right way, the right pivot, the right, you know, development of their technology to be successful in commercial terms is fun and rewarding on a daily basis too. And I think the last piece is just sort of the philosophy we've taken of how we approach these companies, you know, is incredibly rewarding. I, I kind of equate it to, uh, you know, being a doctor. We take our own Hippocratic oath, I, I think, as investors, right? First, do no harm. We want, we're here to advance an industry. We're here to make new innovations successful and develop and support these new entrepreneurs in their journey. We're not here to be, you know, corporate spies. We're not here to, with, you know, conflicted intentions to, you know, lock up something or protect something for, you know, one company's or one entity's best interest. It really is about elevating an industry as a whole and creating a better world. As cliche as that might sound, that's what we're trying to do. You know, Brian, I feel like you describe um, what Generation X's role is in the energy transition. I often end up teasing my uh, Generation X colleagues that there was the boomers and then there's the millennials and we're like the sandwich generation that no one ever really talked about. (laughs) But actually, we're playing this pivotal bridging role um, that does empower that next generation to both take the wisdom of the generations that have come before them, um, but also to give them a lane, a lane to move in, to to be creative and to operate in. So you really clarified that for me in describing your own personal work. Last question for you, what are you most optimistic about? 
Well, as you can imagine, I get to see a ton of exciting new technology, some that isn't even sort of exposed to the real world yet, these companies that are operating in stealth mode, as they call them, where it's just sort of under the radar. I think I get excited because there is an awesome pipeline of you know, entrepreneurial spirit and talent building around the world. This isn't just a U.S.-centric uh, uh, effort, right? It used to be a very Silicon Valley-dominated group, like that's where the good ideas came from. And now you're seeing these pop pockets replicate everywhere. So entrepreneurialism is growing and there's no shortage of great ideas. So I get optimistic by just then fast forwarding to the future of, of where we're going to be. And even if a small portion of some of these innovations were soon become a reality, I think our future is just going to be so exciting. And a lot of these things that were maybe, you know, developed in the, you know, the Jetsons and, you know, other sorts of shows for the decades ago of what the future might behold, like we're getting closer and closer to that future, especially from an aviation sense, which is, uh, I just get, you know, a big smile on my face thinking about it. Oh, that's great. That gives me a picture for us Generation Xers of the Jetsons. Like, here we come. So, Brian, <laughs> yeah. I'm just so I'm so glad that um, someone who's both clear eyed and pragmatic like you um, also sees so much promise um, in the innovations ahead. So, Brian, thank you so much for joining me on the Energy Thinks podcast. Thanks, Tisha. Great being here. That's our episode for today. Thanks so much to Brian Shetler for taking the time to share his insights uh, with all of us. What I found really interesting, which we just talked about at the end, is a little more understanding about this bridge role that's required between uh, historic generations and operations and the new, the innovative, um, and even in many cases, the creative millennial generation. So interested in thinking about how you structure that bridge and create this transition from incremental improvement to disruptive uh, improvements. I'd like to know what you found interesting. So please take a moment to uh, reach out at energythinks.com. If you like what you're hearing, can you take a moment and rate us? That's how other people find the podcast. I would like to thank Adon Rubio, Lindsay Slaughter, and Michael Tanner for making the Energy Thinks podcast possible. I'd like to congratulate Adon Rubio on his recent graduation. He got his master's degree and is joining at Adamantine Energy full-time. We are delighted to have you, Adon. Until next time, I'm Tisha Schuler, wishing you and yours happiness, prosperity, and good health.